Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Double Discovery by Paulette Witt Paulette, where is Mrs. Snyder? We can't find her anywhere. Mom ran a nursing home. Mrs. Snyder was one of the home's patients, and I had been told to keep an eye on her. The sound of Mother's worried voice jerked me back to reality. I threw my book onto my bed and dived for my sneakers. Don't tell me Mrs. Snyder's run off again, I thought, as I pulled the sneakers on and dashed for the top of the stairs. This will make the third time in one week that I've had to go chasing after that silly woman. Old people give me a headache. I took the steps three at a time and screeched to a halt at the bottom. My mom was standing there with her nurse's uniform on, and her countenance bore an alarming expression of question and accusation and concern. I knew I was in deep trouble, and the thought struck me that perhaps I was going to be placed under another two-week ban from my books. To me, that was a punishment like medieval torture. My mother's next words, however, changed my selfish concern into genuine fear, not for myself, but for Mrs. Snyder. We've searched all over the building and she is not here. Your father has been driving up and down the road looking for her. She has really disappeared this time. Probably she's wandered off into the woods somewhere. Mom gazed out the window at the lawn, still fresh and green from a recent shower. Then her eyes traveled to the tall maple and pine trees that border our property. Suddenly she turned and looked sternly at me. Where have you been, young lady? I, er, I was... Well, I thought she was sitting on the front porch. You know Mrs. Snyder. Never can make up her mind. She told me she was going to rest a while. I began to feel on the defensive. After all, my looking after her hadn't been my idea. What thirteen-year-old girl would relish the privilege of traipsing about the countryside on a hot summer day listening to the foolish jabbering of a senile old nursing home patient? I was beginning to feel almost justified in my neglect of duty when my father came striding through the back door wearing an expression that brought to my mind certain unpleasant experiences in my past. "'We've got to search the woods,' he said, glancing at Mother. "'The boys have already started looking in the wooded area back of Mrs. Hill's pasture.' He turned to me. "'You're going to have to help your brothers and me. You take the section to the right of the house, and I'll go down toward Pine Creek. I hope she doesn't get that far. The current is swift, especially just before the stream rounds the bend to the bottom of the hill. I'm going to look there first. I could tell by the deep wrinkles across his high forehead that he was worried, and his eyes seemed sad. He was disappointed in me. I remembered that this was not the first time I had let him down. Somehow, though, my failure had never seemed so serious before. It was decided that Mom should stay behind to help care for the rest of the patients. Running a nursing home is a 24-hour job, even with plenty of hired help. Unfortunately, we had had a shortage of nurses that summer, and for this reason I had been given the responsibility of seeing that Mrs. Snyder, an eccentric, confused, but very active woman, did not wander off by herself. It was at the beginning of the summer that I had started my new job, and at first I had not minded it. Mrs. Snyder was an amusing person, the more so because her natural oddness was accentuated by her feebleness of memory and reasoning ability. She liked to wear a big hat with a wild-looking feather sticking from it, two or three necklaces of fake pearls and tarnished silver, several bracelets on each arm, a fat crocodile-skin pocketbook, and high heels. I often wondered how she managed to move with all that extra baggage clanking about her, but move she did, with great speed. 
For a while I had comforted myself with the hope that Mrs. Snyder's passion for walking was just a passing fancy. Surely no sixty-eight-year-old woman could find in hiking life's ultimate pleasure. It did not make sense to me, but I soon learned that Mrs. Snyder never made sense. More times than I cared to remember, I had plodded up and down the winding country road that passed in front of the huge brick mansion my parents had converted into a nursing home. After two weeks, I was convinced that, should I ever become blind, I could still walk three miles along that road without a wrong step. Boredom didn't begin to describe what I felt. Mrs. Snyder, however, never seemed to remember having been over any particular road before. Some days she thought we were headed for the city. Other days she believed we were going to visit her grandmother, who lived at the corner of Maple and Vine in Sunbury. Even when we changed directions, we were still going to the same place, and in her mixed-up mind she was always just a few hundred yards from her destination. I suppose that if I had been more mature, I would have felt sorry for her. Instead, I felt sorry for myself. But now that Mrs. Snyder was really lost, my feelings, my whole attitude toward her began to change. Looking behind trees and peering under bushes, I made my hurried way through the thick Pennsylvania forest. All the time I was thinking of how terrible it would be if we didn't find her before darkness came, or worse still, if we didn't find her at all. In my imagination, I could see her tripping and breaking her leg or falling into the creek and drowning. She had no sense of direction, so there was no hope of her ever finding her way out of this dark tangle of woods. Dear God, Please lead us to Mrs. Snyder, I prayed as I ran ahead, stumbling over fallen limbs and scratching myself on dead pine branches. Please don't let anything happen to her. It was my duty to watch her, and if any harm comes to her, it will be my fault. Forgive me, please, for failing in my duty. I know I've had the wrong attitude toward her and my responsibility, but I realize my mistake now. I will not be selfish any longer. How could I have been so lazy and thoughtless, I wondered, as to consider only my own comfort and convenience. My parents had depended on me, but I had proved unworthy. Would they ever believe in me again? And Mrs. Snyder had needed me, even if she had not realized it. I had not realized it myself until just then, but it was becoming clearer to me with each step I took that I had not merely been given a job to do, I had been given the responsibility for another human being's safety. How I hoped that my failure would not result in tragedy! On and on I plunged. When at the edge of a clearing I almost ran into one of the neighbor's cows, I stopped short. Into my mind flashed an incident that had taken place just the day before. While passing our neighbor's farm, Mrs. Snyder had noticed one of his beef cows peacefully grazing beside the fence. "'Look at that big black bear!' she had exclaimed. "'We must get a gun!' Off she had gone like a soldier in full retreat." I have never been able to figure out how she could cover the ground so quickly in those heels of hers. Running to catch her, I had laughingly explained that her bear was only a black Angus heifer. Now I found myself wondering what she would do if she really did meet a bear. Not that it was likely, but to me in my state of mind almost anything seemed likely. I searched for nearly five hours, scouring the area like a detective, which indeed I practically was but not a trace did I find of my truant. It was less than an hour until sundown when I finally turned my leaden feet toward home. The last rays of the afternoon sun were tipping the treetops with gold, and the air was vibrant with the sound of the wood thrush's evening lullaby. Somehow, though, the songs did not seem as cheerful as usual. The heaviness of my heart kept me from sharing in their joy over a day successfully completed. Dejection oozed from every pore of my weary body. 
As I limped along, my every step became a prayer that Mrs. Snyder would be at the house when I got there. Maybe my brothers or my father had found her. My feet gained speed from this thought, and soon I was hurrying up the gravel driveway. There on the front lawn stood my brother Maurice. "'Look what I found,' he called as I came closer. "'It's Mrs. Snyder's sweater.' Indeed, it was her sweater, torn and dirty. But where was Mrs. Snyder? Maurice had not seen her. By this time I was becoming nearly frantic. I heard voices in the backyard. Looking up, I saw Father just rounding the corner of the house, leading a bedraggled and much-subdued Mrs. Snyder. Tears of joy filled my eyes as I ran to meet them. I discovered her lying on the ground under a pine tree, snoring like a lumberjack, Dad said, and he laughed. I could tell that he was relieved, too. Mrs. Snyder started up the steps, and I took her arm to help her. Madam, I am at your service, I said, and I smiled across at Dad, who was holding the other arm. I noticed that the wrinkles in his forehead were gone. Then he looked at me with a new expression in his eyes. He had read the change that had taken place in my heart during those five long hours of searching. He knew that I had discovered something, too, something of great importance. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.